Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of James Talks. I'm really excited today because I've got two <laughs> awesome guys with me, um, John Williamson and Adam Norlock, but you'll probably, well, if you know them, you'll know them better as the Deconstructionists, um, they're from the Deconstructionist podcast, which is an awesome podcast about faith and spirituality and <laughs> all that kind of thing. So welcome guys, it's really great Thanks, to have man. you. Oh, great, great to be on, man. So good to be here, James. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Uh, these are guys, um, if you haven't listened to their podcast yet, go and listen to it. Seriously, it's awesome. Um, oh, they've had some great people on there already, and they're going to have even more people coming on, I know. Um, I'm quite envious of some of the people they've interviewed already, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, so hi, guys. So um, just tell us a bit about yourselves, like who you are and kind of what you do and stuff. Yeah. Sure. Um, you know, uh, my, I'm John, and uh, my background is uh, I have an undergraduate degree in history. Um, you know, I've got uh, married, I've got a daughter, a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, and uh, Adam and I uh, kind of connected. We met about a year ago. Um, I was kind of going through my own deconstruction-type uh, period in my life, and um, my wife and I were trying to connect to a church, and we happened to connect to a church where Adam is uh, the teaching pastor. And so uh, through some common friends, they kind of suggested, hey, you guys really need to get together. I think you guys would have a lot in common. It's like we got match made. Yeah, we kind of got. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a very weird Christian mingle situation. It's like, wow, you're yeah. really intense and nerdy, and <laughs> yeah. you're really intense and nerdy. You guys should, like, go on a mandate or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's just kind of what happened. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we, we had a, you know, uh, shared a beer and, uh, and uh, got talking and, and uh, within, I think, probably six months or so, um, it, just through through talking and realizing that we were reading a lot of the same material, kind of realized that we were going through, had gone through at least, uh, some similar mm-hmm. kind of struggles and doubts in our own faith and yeah. um, parlayed that into a podcast, oddly, which has just kind of taken off on a, in a way that we could have never foreseen. Um, and yeah, dude, it's nuts. We are just having so much fun oh, doing gosh. it, so... <laughs> That's flipping awesome. Yeah, so, um, John, just uh, tell us a bit about you. Oh, yeah, actually, that was John. This is Adam. I'm oh, the, sorry. Uh, yes, yeah, I told you. I'm, I'm, I'm the even more overly enthusiastic, um, <laughs> pure extrovert, uh, yeah. and I'm the teaching pastor at the church John was referring to. So, yeah, a bit about me is um, I am, other than being overly enthusiastic and extroverted and nerdy and loving to read and loving the church and theology and philosophy and science and just anything I can get my hands on as far as a, from an idea perspective. Uh, I just really love people. I, I've always loved people from the time I was a kid. Um, you know, the one thing that I would consistently get in trouble for in school was talking in class and not because I was trying to be rude, but because the relational aspect of life was just the only thing that ever got me going. And so uh, I started off, I got a business degree and then started a career in sales with a major pharmaceutical company. And I've actually been doing mm-hmm. that for about 12 years now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so my undergraduate is in business marketing actually. And then, um, through a random series of kind of coincidences, I was reading all the time. And my wife was like, you know, you should just go to seminary because you're already reading all the books and like auditing all these classes on iTunes. So about seven years ago, um, I went through a seminary program, a two-year intensive program. It's a local program, and graduated. And the church I was currently going to asked me to start taking the pulpit, so I started teaching. 
And then they um, asked if they could ordain me, and I said no. <laughs> I said I'm not interested in doing that. And uh, ended up just kind of doing it anyway because I felt like it was the right thing to do and uh, really enjoy my church. Uh, Simon Forsythe was on our podcast, I think, episode two. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he's just wonderful. He's a Northern Ireland boy that moved to Australia and um, came to America and set up this really messy, fun, uh, gracious kind of post-charismatic, evangelical, it's a mutt of a church, but it's really, it's really, really fun. Mm. And uh, so I've been pastoring there, and I have a wife and two kids. Uh, my son, Abraham, is four and a half years old, and my daughter, Lucy, is two. And I'm just having a blast in life, man, and getting to meet John and nerd out over some beers and talk about all this stuff and and launching this podcast, and I just, I love the interaction. I love the people we get to meet, read about, and then meet, and then talk to, and interact with online, and interact with in flesh and blood out in the world, and what what an absolute gift and privilege it is to just get to invite people into a space to wrestle and uh, challenge themselves and others, and try to learn how to love each other and see each other a little bit more each and every day. So we just, we feel so blessed and so great. Yeah, just grateful yeah. to get to do this. That is yeah, awesome. It's a very humbling experience. <laughs> yeah, that is awesome. So, so kind of what are the major kind of events that have shaped your faith, respective faith journeys, you know, mm. that have brought you where you are? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> My, my journey is probably a little different than Adam's. Well, I know it is. We've talked about it. <laughs> but uh, my, my journey is kind of a weird one because I'm actually the son of a pastor. And uh, and so my dad actually is a uh, ELC, a Lutheran uh, pastor. He's been for 30-plus years. And so um, that kind of comes with its own, you know, challenges. As, as the uh, son of a pastor, you know, you, there are a lot of uh, uh, preconceived notions, I think, and um, kind of a, its own set of struggles that you deal with kind of along the way. So for me, it was, you know, kind of intermittently throughout my adult life. I think once I got to university, um, I don't know if I said, but my, my undergraduate degree is in, in history. So I, I love mm. the historical side of this research that we do. And ironically, the school that I attended, the university I attended, is in literally in the backyard of the church where I met Adam. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But did not exist at the time where I went to school there. So, right. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's very strange. All it goes back to the roots. Yeah. All goes back to the roots. But uh, so yeah, so I think I started kind of struggling with some of the things that I had been taught as a as a child, as a youth, uh, probably at the university level, um, and and then kind of picked up kind of that kind of almost reexamining of faith uh, once I hit my mid thirties. You had some professors that kind of opened up some of that stuff, yeah. there, didn't you? And, and in fact, um, one of the professors, I think, that really kind of uh, just opened the door uh, to what I call a more beautiful, more open um, type of faith was my religion professor at Capital University, who we actually ended up having on. Uh, he'll be on a future oh, podcast. Man. He's a treat. So he introduced me to, to some of the, the great thinkers out there. Uh, Joseph Campbell uh, would be the main one that I would point out. I mean, just blew the the doors off. <laughs> like, if, this guy. if you're a Christian and you yeah. listen to somebody explain Joseph Campbell's perspective on religion oh, and Christianity, geez. and you're not sitting there with your mouth just hanging completely open, you weren't paying attention. Right. I knew, I really need to read Joe Campbell. I've heard so much about this guy. I've not just not, I've not read uh, this, any of this guy's stuff yet. But. 
Proceed, yeah. proceed with caution. Proceed yeah. with caution. Get, uh, actually, there's yeah. a wear a hard hat. Yeah, there's a there's I think it's like six part interview that he did with Bill Moyers on uh, PBS back in the uh, early '90s. I want to say um, on on myth, and um, it's just a, it's a great place to start before you even read any of his material. Yeah. But he just talks about the hero's journey, and it's just fascinating stuff. But um, so yeah, I think I think once I hit my mid thirties, I I kind of started finally taking the advice of, of uh, Dr. Bryant, you know, and, and looking into some of the things that he had suggested way back in my, my early 20s. And uh, uh, I think about the time I met Adam, I was really digging this more and more. And uh, some of the rock bells, I finally heard all that, you know, I think, I think about his, his work. And finally, you know, took, took a dive into his, uh, uh, I think I started with Love Wins, because that, that's the one that had the most uh, kind of, uh, it's like, why is everybody so hot and bothered about this book? Can you just, can you just, can you just like, begin that sentence again? I think we had a bit of um, disruption a minute ago. Just uh, start that again, yeah, kind of from where you like about two minutes ago. Just go back sure. to Sorry about that. So, I was just had a bit of... No, just... okay. uh, so I, I was just saying that um, I think I kind of re-examined kind of my uh, reassessment of my faith, I think in probably my mid-30s, uh, about a decade after... Um, attending, you know, university and, and really started to dive into some of the authors that uh, my old college professor had, had recommended and started taking it seriously. And uh, so I started reading a little, you know, Richard Rohr, um, you know, Rob Bell, and, and, you know, I think I jumped into uh, to Love Wins first, you know, because I want to know what all the, the controversy... The hullabaloo. Yeah, it was about. Yeah. And, uh, Why did John Piper excommunicate this guy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> John Piper become the, the bishop. Right? Yeah, the evangelical pope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Do they have a pope? I don't even I know. I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I think, um, and those, I, I would say, Falling Upward by Richard Rohr and Love mm. Wins by Rob Bell were the two that oh, really, yeah. yeah, you know, even if you don't agree with everything in either of those books, it was enough to me, uh, enough uh, for me to say, hey, like, I need to, I need to explore. There's a vast ocean here that I haven't even tapped into yeah. and, and I need to do, I need to do a, a, a better job of digging into this stuff. Number one. And number two, taking my, my spiritual life a little more seriously. And, um, especially because I, you know, I was a new father at that point. And so, uh, that does something to you too. Doesn't oh, it? absolutely. Um, it totally does, man. Uh, from the day she was born, you know, it, it's kind of like, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents raised me in the church, and, and regardless of, of what I believe now compared to what I did in my childhood, you know, I, I owe it to my daughter to figure this, well, that's not even a good way to put it, not necessarily figure it out, but... That's almost where the pressure comes from, though. Yeah. Mm. You've got this human you're responsible for now. Yeah. And so, like, the college awakening that yeah. we all kind of have, where you know, you're out from mom and dad's wing a little bit, and yeah. you're actually reading, you know, books or doing things that you, you know hitherto weren't allowed to or just, you know, <laughs> condemned or whatever. But now you're kind of doing it and whatever, and you're letting those ideas sink in. But then the Sandman of life kind of comes along, and you start just <laughs> going along with career and life and fun and friends. And that second awakening is almost always, every time I talk to people, it's like, kids. Yeah. I needed to, like, oh, crap. Mm. Like, and it's funny because Roar talks about that second half of your spiritual totally. life. Kind of. Uh, mm. starting in your mid-30s, yep. right? And so it was funny. I'm reading this book, and I'm yelling out loud in my house. I'm like, <laughs> yes, that's me. How does he know? You that's know? it. And 
it so it really hit me like a ton of bricks, and I think it probably scared the you know the heck out of my wife because I'm standing in our kitchen saying, you know, I don't know what I believe. I, I believe in God, and but as far as the rest of the details go, I'm I'm not really sure. But I'm really excited right now because I I'm I've just started this journey and this exploration. And I, and she told me last night for the first time or the other night that she had started praying for me because she was terrified. She's like, this isn't what I signed up no, for. No, 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 no. And then, God, please take this away from him. Yeah. Please take this away from him. And then realize quickly that she's like, no, I need to pray for myself. Like, yeah. like what he's doing, I need, to, I need to go with him on this journey and support this. Mm. And you had like a newfound spiritual vibrancy. Oh, man. That his quest started to give you. Yeah. And she was like praying it would go away, but what she really needed was to start her quest. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so, you know, it's funny, uh, you know, we're almost almost exactly a year from the date when we first met, and, um, yeah, about six yeah. months into the start of the project, mm-hmm. and uh, I think if you could have shown my wife a picture of where this is led at the beginning, she would have, A, never believed you, and uh, I think, secondly, I think she would have been absolutely thrilled. I mean, she still can't believe Yeah you know, where this, this journey has led us. So even just how it's enriched you and your relationship, like with her. Yeah. And just all of that. Yeah. That new kind of uh, vibrancy and vitality that comes from, you have to be aware and you have to be paying attention in order to do the kinds of things that we're talking about. And it's not rocket science. We're not radicals or rebels or anything like that, but it takes a degree of awareness to be on a quest and to be questioning and to, and that, almost in itself breathes life into you. Yeah. You know? Which is interesting because uh, on our podcast, uh, we've gotten some feedback that, that says, you know, uh, I, I think, and, and not not many folks, but a few people, you know, think that what we're doing is some radical um, revolutionary thing. Or and, that we think we're radical or revolutionary. Yeah. And and from the very beginning, we've said no. Couldn't like, be further from the none truth. None of the ideas that we're presenting are new. Um, we're just trying to get these ideas to a larger audience, I think. Yep. Yeah. We're next in a long line of people that have been doing this ever yeah. since pe- people started talking to each other. Right. Yep. Yeah. And, and I remember actually Rob, Rob saying once that radical actually comes from this, the, the word, I think the word rad, which means to go back to the roots. The roots. Yes. Like yes. So, so yeah. when you say that you're, like, you're radical, you're actually going back to the roots. You're not doing right. anything like crazy out there kind of new. It's no. like you're just returning to where it originally came from. Yeah, uh, and that's right. awesome. The assumption going back, back to the sources. Yeah. Yeah, so No, I just keep getting, <laughs> just keep getting cuts out there. Stupid little thing. Um, apologies for all the technical problems that, are, that have happened, seem to have happened so far. Skype uh, is, you love it and you hate it. Yeah, that's the live recording for you. Um, <laughs> yeah. No editing on this podcast, just straight out as it is. Um, so what about you, Adam? What was your kind of route into into this kind of Yeah, thing? there's similarities between me and John. We're obviously both uh, Midwestern, evangelically raised uh, white dudes in our mid-30s. <laughs> but uh, yeah. outside of that, there are definitely some differences. I was raised uh, very, very staunch uh, fundamentalist, for lack of a better word. My parents cared very, very deeply for uh, the things in Christianity, but um, 
the information I got later in life led me to believe that they were doing it a little bit more out of uh, a need for control and trying to um, fix some things that were in their marriage. And so a lot of fear, a mm-hmm. lot of guilt, a lot of shame uh, getting put on us as uh, under the guise of religion and under the guise of transcendence and spirituality and all these kinds of things. Yeah. So I was always a questioner. And in my stream at that time, my questions were never received <laughs> with a great deal of enthusiasm or grace. And, you know, what does that do to a kid? But if you're curious, it's just going to make you more curious. Mm, <laughs> you know, yeah. when somebody says, don't open that door. Yeah, it's exact. It's the what Pete Wallen said about the prohibition actually generates the in, kind um, of the interest. Yeah, yes, so, yeah. in, in The Divine Magician. I, I just yeah. read that, and I thought, that's exactly what I thought of. I was like, it, you know, this Adam and Eve story with the apple, it's really just talking about this prohibition that awakens the desire. Yeah. For something you didn't even have a desire for it before. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you didn't know about it. So um, I was always a questioner. There was always a little bit of a critic and a skeptic uh, within me, even when we'd go to church. Uh, I would see things and think they just didn't really make sense and ask about them. And um, later on, uh, when I went to university, um, the pressure to perform in a Christian way or behave in a Christian way started to lessen, obviously, because I wasn't at home anymore and um, spending a lot of time with a lot of uh, new people and things of that nature. And uh, I honestly, if it hadn't been for stumbling across C.S. Lewis um, in his apologetic works and his essays, Mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't even be um, spiritual anymore right now. It yeah. was reading him and then reading his influences, going back into George MacDonald and G.K. Chesterton and uh, some of these guys, Pascal. Um, it really saved me because I realized, oh my gosh, not only are there answers, but there's a, there's a billion more questions than I even had the intellectual prowess to think of on my own. And now it's like, like John was talking about, just kind of blowing the lid off and making this thing not so much a structure, but an ocean, but a galaxy, but uh, just a place to explore. And that led me to through various streams. And uh, I was always evangelical and uh, hungry for my parents' approval. So I think I stayed pretty close to home as far as my stream went. Um, you know, started listening to some of the big name evangelical writers and pastors and then, you know, a couple of years ago, I started to get very uncomfortable with the fact that I was really only associating myself with a group of people who all agreed with each other, which I think is a really dangerous thing to do. Yeah. I think it okay. gives you a very one-dimensional perspective on life. And even though I would pat myself on the back for reading an atheist author from time to time, like, oh, look at me, I'm so rounded. I was really only doing it just to try to pick apart their arguments and validate myself. And I realized that most of my reading and my learning was just a self-validation project. That's really all it was. I was just trying to protect my hubris, protect my ego, and protect my ideas of what I thought ultimate reality were. And more recently, I went through a a corporate training program on unconscious bias. Mm -hmm. And I learned about... Mm -hmm. um, these unconscious biases that we have, uh, affinity bias, meaning you surround yourself with people that you are most like and that you are going to get the least amount of resistance from. That's an yeah. affinity bias. And then uh, the one that really knocked me out of my chair was this uh, a bias that we all have. Uh, it's called a confirmation bias. And essentially, you have a psychological filter in your brain 
that essentially filters out any information that challenges your views and challenges your uh, your way of looking at reality, your way of looking at important truths, your way of looking at yourself and everybody else, and you only accept information that continues to confirm what you already think. Yeah. And so uh, affinity bias, confirmation okay. bias, and then the systemic bias is just the culture that you're raised in, your family, your church, your, uh, your nationality, all, all these kinds of things form a system that really, uh, a phrase that I've, I've kind of started to say a lot now, I don't even know where it came from, it just makes the most sense to me to say it this way, is it, it forms this belief by proxy, meaning... You're believing through a system and through a confirmation bias and through an affinity bias. And you basically, you have this bubble and you just project the responsibility of belief to all these people that you're building your belief structure on. So, well, you know, John Piper said it or Tim Keller said it or Rob Bell said it or whoever. Mm. And you're not actually awake and conscious and you don't have this complex awareness of what you're really building here and what you're doing. And that really bothered me. I felt very ingenuine, uh, insincere, and I just started to tear it all apart and say, okay, who are the people that I would have hitherto been scared to read, scared to listen to, would have called a heretic, (laughs) whatever. And I said, let me not just read these guys to filter back through my confirmation bias, but let me start reading these guys to truly listen to them as human beings that are going on a journey and that have a valuable perspective. And man, did my spirituality start to explode at that point. And I got really addicted to it because I felt like I was not, I was handing over the reins as it were to the divine. I was handing over the reins to the universe, to God, to Jesus, to whatever. And I was saying, I don't want to have to build this thing I just want to go along for the ride and let grace or whatever you want to call it deal with me, sweep me up. Mm. And so there was almost a surrender to me having this spiritual building process. Yeah. It's like, no, I don't want to do that anymore. And then from a pastoral perspective, I got really uncomfortable starting to feel the pressure of pastors always have to be like the answer man. It's like, give me the answers. It's like, mm. I don't freaking have the answers. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. There's some stuff to think about. I don't know. Yeah, well, one of the things I talked about to, I talked about with other people is that, um, you know, as, as like a Christian church, if you want to call it that, yeah. um, as Christians, as spiritual people, we need to be vulnerable. Like, people yes. are looking for Christians to be vulnerable and say, we don't know all the answers, we don't have all the, we can't give you, we can't give you certainty, we can't give you all the correct answers we don't have it all together we're not perfect we right. don't do it all. we don't do it right all the time we don't always get it right but we have this way of of seeing the world and living in the world which is which we believe is the best way to live like you know that it's, yeah. be- that it's better to love one another better to forgive one another better to have grace with each other better to serve those in need and serve the poor and all that kind of thing That's to be right. generous and and have compassion and we that's want to right. live that way. And we won't get it right all the time, but that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. And if people, I think if people heard that, instead of, we're the church and we've got all the answers, uh, they'd, be totally, so they'd be so much yeah. more open to it, I think. Absolutely, man. And you know what? You should be really, really suspicious of anybody that looks like they have their chest puffed out and they have all the answers and they are going to tell you 
how this whole thing works. Like there, yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't want to name names, but there are some theologians that I know I was exposed to at an early age mm-hmm. that have nothing but book after book after book about why they're right and everybody else is wrong. And if you just memorize these, you know, systematic theology principles, if you memorize this dogma and this doctrine, you know, then you know you're right. Right. And there's no room for growth uh, when you take that position, you know. None. It's, uh, it's a weird thing, too. I, I think that... Um, Christians in general have kind of made it more acceptable to be non-Christian and to be a broken person, yeah. mm. to be a human being, uh, than it is to be, it's less acceptable to be a Christian and to be an authentically broken person. Right. You know, and it's this weird standard that we've set for backwards. It's so backwards. It doesn't make any sense You read whatsoever. in the New Testament. Yeah, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It's like... No. I, 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 I yeah, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> it's just about like I, we've got this adi- like I've been reading The Idolatry of God by Peter Rollins and, oh man uh, I'm starting that next that's on my oh, list oh gosh so good <laughs> it's about our addiction to certainty and yes there's like this whole idea that like, and I realise this we, we want certainty in every area of our life yes. like I'm a writer so I I encounter a lot of writers and there's a lot of writers out there and some of them are Christians who are selling products and courses and whatever, and it's all on the basis of certainty. Like, if you buy this, then I'll get. Then this will happen. Yes. If you absolutely. do this course, then you'll get loads of readers and followers and subscribers and stuff. If you, you know, it's all certainty, and it's like, and, and of course that that applies to our faith. It's like people want certainty, and even when there's like, oh, um, we'll have a church where we can doubt and we can question, but as long as like the pastor is certain, right. Or the structure is certain. That's something has to be certain. Go too far. Yeah. You can't go too far. Yeah. It's like well, then you know you're just toying around then. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I I love I love the the, the uncertainty. I love it. And it's scary. It's not like oh I, I, I'm not scared of it. It's like well I don't know what's going to happen. That's right. That's I don't right. know what. Sometimes I don't know what I believe about different things, and it might mean questioning. Sure. Things that I've believed all my life, or interpretations of the Bible that I've that I've had all my life, but yeah. but at least I'll be growing, you know, because right. you don't yes. if, you, if you're in certainty, you don't grow, you just stop. That's right, right. And you know, the thing in in all of the Bible that I see as a model, if you want to look at a model, is the people that look like they have it all together, i.e., like Saul. Mm. Or i.e. like uh, like Paul, uh, even in the New Testament prior to his conversion, are the people that have not been leveled yet. They've not been humbled yet. And those aren't the people that Jesus uses as leaders. He uses the broken. He uses the fool. You know, that's like Second Corinthians. Where is the scribe? Where is the philosopher? Where is the debater of the day? Has not God made foolish mm. the things of the wise? And yet we are still addicted to this certainty principle, and we aren't realizing that yeah. true leadership is the is the one that just isn't worried about it. It is the broken. It is the the questioner. It is the 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 one that's lacking confidence, and yeah. is okay with that. Yeah, and I I was talking to somebody recently and. Talked about the transfiguration, and there's this line. I think he told me I, I didn't have a chance to look it up, but apparently, the, there's a line in there that says there were some who doubted. 
Like, and this oh, is like when yeah. Jesus is being I know that that's true on the ascension. I didn't, I didn't ever know about oh, maybe, the transfiguration. Oh, maybe it's, maybe it is the ascension. I may have got confused. Yeah, so Jesus is like, you know, whatever that means, but he's like, I guess, floating up into the sky or whatever, and they're, you know, at the Mount of, of Olives, and it's like, and, you know, people worshipped him, but some doubted. Yeah. And it's like, what? It's like, you can, you can imagine a guy, like, standing there like, I don't know, man, I got a cousin that can do that. Like, I, I, I know, it's like crazy, isn't it? What are you talking about? It's probably swamp gas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just actually looking at it now. Um, yeah, well, it's just, it's crazy, though, isn't it? I mean, it's like, yeah, we're, we're meant, like, we're meant to, I know it said people say, oh, people believed and the Bible says, uh, believe and do not doubt. But I think that's a very different kind of doubt that they talk about. And you can't set that. up a whole theology on that one verse because there's plenty of witness all throughout scripture of struggling. I mean, how do we get the fact that Israel's name literally means to wrestle, to wrestle with God? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The archetype yeah. of this whole thing. Is a guy who was a conniver, he was a liar, he was a struggler, he was a doubter, he was unsure, he was testing everything, and that is the namesake of God's chosen people, and yet we're not supposed to go through that? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Like, I love the wrestling. You know, it's, um, it's, it's messy, it's, you know, it's dirty and stuff, but you know what? We learn so much. Yes, because not only do you get to test it, whatever it is you're wrestling with, you get tested. Yeah. You get, you know, like one of the things we always talk about on our podcast is like, yeah, we're called the Deconstructionist Podcast, which sounds kind of cocky and a little overconfident, but we're the <laughs> ones getting deconstructed. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, we're the ones. Yeah, man. It's like, we're, and we're all about reconstruction as well. Like, it's not, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think we're always being re- deconstructed and reconstructed. You know, like absolutely, all the time. Yeah. it's like an ongoing process. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's funny we, when we were talking to to, to Rob Bell uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, you know, it, everyone's heard his his Easter story, right? Where he's going through his own deconstruction. He's he's locked himself in the broom closet on Easter Sunday because he's not sure what he believes anymore, and he's this head pastor of this huge mega church. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I remember I asked him, I said, so, you know, people assume that if you go through struggles and doubts that, you know, then you figure it out and you're good for the rest of your, right, of your life. Right, right? Right. And, he, and he starts laughing because, you know, we all know that's not true. We all know that it's a yeah. constant process, right? So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. I can, yeah. And yeah, I mean, the, I actually asked him about and when I when I spoke to him that about some of the major spiritual events of his life, and they were like, you know, you know, they said there's more than what, like he said, how long have you got, you know? Right, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, how long oh, is your man. podcast, you know? And, um, <laughs> because well, it's just a constant process of, you know, death and resurrection, you know? Yes. Um, over and over. That metaphor's just so good, you know? Yeah. I used to think, like, when I, I mean, I've been a Christian pretty much my whole life, and again, like you, I started off in kind of, certainty and all that kind of thing and what, yeah. and what shook me out of that was actually the death of my mother well, I didn't realise it at the time Yeah. Like, and then five years like, I've been like and then I was like I, I, don't, I'm, I know I'm thinking different things and this model of God doesn't work for me anymore but I'm just kind of stuck and I, I, did, I didn't know that at the time but that's what was going on right. and I was asking having all these questions and stuff and thinking 
Well, I'm not sure. And then I read Velvet Elvis. And yeah, that was it. Yeah. Like, I just read that in two hours and I was like, yeah. okay, <laughs> this is this is it. Right, I'm not alone, after all. Yeah, nope. It's okay to be where I am. And I was like, okay, this is where I'm going from then on. I was like, um, and yeah, a lot of my friends aren't, aren't, where, aren't where I am, but it, I don't mind that. I mean, I'm just happy for them to be where they are. It's not a matter of kind of, I'm going to try and force you to be where I am. It's like, um, I'm here, yeah. you're there, and that's, and that's fine, but it's, um, but I don't want to be stuck in certainty. I don't want to be, the other thing about certainty is that you can get into a place where I love to doubt and question, and then that's your, that becomes your certainty. That becomes... Yeah, you never move out of it, and you're not even willing to move out of it. Yeah, so you've got to be, actually, if you're really embracing it, you've got to be, like, be willing to go out from that position and go, and I don't even know what that looks like, because I'm you not there. said that on our last episode, on our Bible episode in the intro. Uh, John said something when we were just starting off our last episode where he was just like, you know, it's, it's cool to be a seeker. Yeah. It's cool to question, but then don't let that trap you into never finding anything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you have to be able to say like, whoa, this is compelling. I'm resonating with this. Yeah. I I might even commit to this idea. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Because if we're constantly seeking, then then ultimately at the end of the day, where are we going with this? You know. Yeah. Like if we're never willing to grab on to, and and hold on to something, then what are we doing? Right. You know. Yeah. That's yeah. Just. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love the I love the idea of like finding something, grabbing grabbing onto it, but having it holding it with an open hand. Yeah. So like, okay, yes. I found an idea that I like that I can commit to, but. I'm not going to hold on to it at all costs. So right. if something comes along and then it kind of wants to take me on from there, I'm yeah. going to be open to whatever that is. I'm not going to close my mind to that is, but whatever that is. But at the same time, I'm going to kind of say, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to hold on to this for now. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Um, I love that. So, um, yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. More people need to hear that too, because I think that, once you enter a process of deconstruction, I think one thing that's almost been unanimous with everybody we've talked to is there's been some rupture that's happened. You know, like you just talked about your mother, and that's a really compelling reason to start to move out of, you know, whatever circle you found yourself in. Uh, but, but it's something for everyone. And, you know, once bitten, you know, you get a little timid, and you don't want to commit as easily to things you might find compelling because you think those things are going to betray you later. Mm-hmm. And spoiler alert, they are going to betray you later. These, these ide- None of these ideas are ever going to fully encapsulate life, death, God, transcendence, spirituality. But we have to keep holding on to things until, and like you said, with a loose grip, you can't, you can't be so gun-shy that you never embrace anything again. Because right. that, that's a really cold life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because my next question, my next actual question was going to be, um, what do you think it means to deconstruction, to uh, deconstruct our faith? <laughs> oh, man. Um, but, yeah, kind of, exp- yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can't ask that question anymore, can I? Um, Give it, John. <laughs> well, I was hoping you would ask us a hard question. No, sorry. <laughs> oh, so are these too easy for you? <laughs> um, that's, that's such a that's such a that's a tough question. I think 
No, it's funny. Um, I think uh, Dr. Bryant, who my, my college professor we have coming up uh, uh, on our podcast uh, in a few weeks, um, put it best when he said that, because uh, we, we were kind of talking about the fact that everybody's journey looks a little different. And, uh, and uh, he has this quote that we keep repeating oh. over and over again where he said, you know, look, you can either choose to go on your own journey or someone's going to drag you along on theirs. Oh. Mm. And so you have two choices, right? So you can either, you can either start your own journey, mm. um, which, you know, I, I think just to give an example, Adam and I have two very different looking journeys. And, and because of that, I think it's, if you look back deeper, it's because we have two very different starting points. Mm-hmm. And so it depends on where you start, oh, what kind of foundation that you begin with. Yes. Um, as Richard Rohr would say, you know, it's, it's good to have a foundation, you know, for no other reason to have a go to kick against. Well, it, it entirely depends on what type of structure that you, you began this journey with, you know. So for mm-hmm. me, it was, you know, ELC, Lutheran, they weren't as, uh, yeah, they're not they're not fundamentalists. A little, they're a little more progressive, I think. And so, for me, I, I had a little less to kick against, so to speak. And so, for my journey, it was probably not stripping away nearly as much as maybe you know Adam or you know some of my other friends. Um, and you know, we've had some some listeners who have written into us who had extremely um, what I would call almost borderline harmful. Uh, Oh yeah, upbringings. dark, 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 very dark, dark harmful emergency room, dark. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so for somebody like that, it's you know their journey is going to look very, very different because they're great point, man. Not only are they going to have to pick apart and, and toss away a lot of things that they they grew up with, but they're also going to have to do healing mm-hmm. along the way. Yeah. Whereas I didn't, I didn't have that. You know, I didn't have to do any any healing. It was just a matter of kind of examining you know, some of the, some of the things that I had been raised in and trying to take it, take those apart a little bit. So, yeah. So to deconstruct, I think is just to, like we say, when we, we kind of stole the, the term, it's to, uh, I think kind of get inside of your, your own faith and examine it from the inside and yep. say, okay, is this working? Does this make sense? Um, are there some parts to my faith that just need to be removed and cast mm-hmm. away? Yep. Um, and then just, I think the big part of it, man, is just like, we talk about how important community is mm. uh, and doing this together uh, in, a, in a community, regardless of where you all are individually. Non-negotiable. Right. Absolutely not negotiable. You absolutely should not uh, begin a deconstruction process alone. No. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think the other big thing is, you know, uh, looking to your elders, your, your peers, um, those who have gone before you, and not even just those around you, but people who have long since, you know, died, you know, hundreds of years ago. I mean, yeah, this is not a new thing. This is a, uh, a, you know, a process that's been going on for thousands of years since the very beginning. Um, you know, if you ever read any Phyllis Tickle, um, mm. Tickle, you know, the, the great emergence, <laughs> man, that, oh, that, oh, dude, she, in 140 yeah. pages that, that, uh, she, I pretty much broke down the history of the planet to me. You know? Yes. You're like, what? She's incredible. Unbelievable. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I think, um, I think realizing that, that for thousands of years, this has been happening kind of starts to put you at ease. And then also helps you to realize that there are resources that you have out there that you can, you can read, uh, all of these different interpret or these, uh, perspectives and, um, 
struggles <laughs> that have been recorded long since you were born. Oh, yeah. So you are not the first one to go through this. And time. you will not be the last. And you won't be the last. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So true, man. So I don't know, Adam, if you have anything you want to add to the, the process of deconstruction. I mean, yeah, just a couple thoughts. I think John summed that up incredibly well. Uh, we borrowed the term from Derrida. You know, and we changed it a little bit, honestly, because uh, we, we wanted it to be catchy and we wanted to catch people in this idea of people don't think people think that um, sacred means untouchable, you know. And so what we've done and we don't believe that. So what we've done is we've taken these experiences and these poems and these letters and these um, histories and these stories and these accounts and we have passed them through a Western, European-American filter, and we have matrixed them, and we have formulized them, and we have denominationalized them, and we have passed them off as salvation, and we have passed them off as ultimate reality with a healthy dose of fear and insecurity all mixed into it, and then that is generationally just handed down and this thing that I call belief by proxy settles in, meaning you're not really believing, you're just attending mass, or you're just attending the service, or you're just nodding your head to the pastor, to your parents, or whatever. Right. And eventually, be it college, or be it children, or be it a death, or something is going to rock you and say, I don't know what I actually think. Right. And we want to invite people into that. Whether you came from a science perspective and you're actually saying, hey, you know what, I, I, I know that my strong rationalist perspective would tell me that all we are is, you know, animated sacks of meat. We're just, uh, you know, colliding atoms, time plus matter plus chance. Um, and that's all there is. But my soul or whatever says something different, and I want to explore spirituality or transcendence or whatever. And you have to deconstruct coming from that side. But to somebody who's like a more fundamentalist, you have to start to say, like, am I just going to be that guy that says the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it? Is that it? Is that all there is to spirituality? There are 30 to 40,000 different denominations within Christianity. And uh, they all claim to be right. So, you've got to look. You've got to take the journey yourself. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Um, wow, this is so good. I, um, I completely agree with you. I mean, it's really, really, we're all on our own journey, aren't we? And, yeah, absolutely. And so we've all got to kind of, but the important thing, I think the thing that I've, you know, that we've been talking about today, you know, and we're kind of coming to a close now, but um, it's literally that we shouldn't be afraid to, uh, we should hold everything we have with an open hand. We should yeah. be willing to allow our faith to be critiqued and allow, uh, you know, our life to be critiqued and allow, you know, allow our spirituality to be critiqued and so that we can ask those important questions. And then when we do find something, hold it with an open hand so that you're willing to be taken further. Um, so it's not like you don't commit to anything. It's just that when you do commit to something, you say, okay, I, you know, I will, I'm a, I, I will hold on to this, but I will also allow for the possibility of something else happening. And 
of being able to grow and being able to uh, move forward again. And always, always, I mean, the thing I always say to people, say, uh, when I'm praying or whatever, and the attitude I always try to have is, um, I don't ever want to be satisfied. I don't ever want to be stuck. I always want to be growing, always want to be moving forward, always want to be going deeper, always want to be having a bigger uh, view of God and learning more and growing more. And that's... And that's that's the most. I think that's really really important. Well said, James. Well said. Well, I think we're having. A, I think uh, you're cutting out a bit, so I think it might be a good. <laughs> no, no, it's not a problem. Um, we had a bit of technical problems today, everyone. So apologies for about that. But um, um, it's been so great having you guys on, and definitely going to have oh, you yeah. back. Yeah. Uh, Thank you, thank you. Uh, that's really encouraging to hear. So, um, yeah, with that compliment to me. No, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, thank you very much, guys. Uh, um, and I've got to say, I appreciate what a lot of what you do as well, and I think a lot of us do. So, um, um, you're really kind of inspiring a lot of us who are on this journey as well. So, um, yeah, so these guys are going to come back, and we're going to talk a lot about about this stuff more. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. And listen to their podcast as well as mine. Um, <laughs> not just, yeah. Um, yeah, they've got some great, great interviews and they've got more coming up. So, uh, check them out and, um, yeah. And I'll catch you all soon, everyone. Take care.